We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I don't know about everyone listening, but after a long day of work, I just need to come home to a nice, refreshing tall boy to ease my stress. I actually just had three or four last night, if I'm being honest. No, not those tall boys. A refreshing tall can of liquid death was exactly what I needed. If you've noticed a new tall boy can in the water section that looks like a beer or an energy drink, it's actually liquid death, a mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, or in three different flavors. Try the lime, trust me. Why is the water called liquid death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. There's just something special about grabbing an ice-cold can of liquid death, hearing the pop when you open it, and quenching your thirst with the best-tasting still or sparkling water on the market. I honestly could not go back to bottles even if I wanted to. As I mentioned, I can't recommend the Sparkling Lime Liquid Death enough. It has the perfect lime flavor to go with a crisp, refreshing finish. It's also the best water to mess with just about everyone you know, as they probably think you're chugging a beer in your car or a work meeting at about 9 a.m., Seriously, guys, check this product out. I've been absolutely loving it, and I know you will too. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can, of course, follow my guest on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. She's the absolute best. You can find her on Packs What She Said, of course, the Pack a Day Podcast as well. We were hoping to bring you much more joy in a Packers victory coming out of London. It certainly seemed that way with a 17 to 3 lead in the first half, but Perry, from there, everything went to crap, and we're going to talk about it. So let's have fun talking about a really disappointing and frustrating Packers loss at the hands of the Giants. I had the opportunity to vent in my post-game show and rant and rave and uh, give some gut reactions, but I want you just to have the floor to let out whatever frustrations that you would like to get out, any takeaways, any good vibes if you have, whatever, wherever you want to go with this, the floor is yours. 
Oh boy. Thank you so much. I also apologize for everyone. I have no voice, so we're going to do our best today. Um, I'm just really infuriated with this team because this team has all the pieces to be great and like they're not doing it properly. And I feel like it's, it's a problem. I'm sure that there are things that are happening on the field that we as fans sitting on our couch don't know and don't understand. I think there's like a very clear blueprint to win based on like the personnel of this team on both sides of the ball and they're not doing it and they're not executing it. Like to me, it's malpractice at this point to not give the ball to your running backs in high leverage situations. And there's this whole like discussion today on Twitter now about like the box, stacking the box. Like, I don't care. You want to get your playmakers, your best playmakers, the ball. And like Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are proving they're going to get you yards no matter who the hell is in the box. So like, just give it to your best playmakers. And then on defense, I don't know. I, I don't. I just think the zone scheme doesn't work for these guys. Like, I think these corners are man corners. And sure, the front looked great. And sure, they were getting good pressure. But there were three sacks negated because of, honestly, really ticky-tacky penalties. And they're just, like, not playing. Like, neither of the schemes are playing to the strengths of their players right now. And I don't know if you can blame the players. I don't know. I feel like the blame has to be on the coaches at this point. Like, sure, players can execute better, right? Like, there are a couple of balls that maybe the wide receiver should have caught. Like, maybe the DBs need to just, like, go make plays on the ball. But, like, something about what each side is calling is just not working for any of these players. Yeah, definitely. I agree with all of that. Uh, there's so many different directions that we could go. One of the things that I've been struggling with a little bit is, like, the idea of like, what's the Packers identity at this point. And you kind of mentioned like they have to have a blueprint for success. Right. And it seems that okay. Special teams, really good defense, ball control, offense, feed Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. It feels and seems like that has to be the, like the blueprint, the obvious blueprint. And it doesn't feel like they're following that and playing to their strengths as you so eloquently put what I've been struggling with is like, all right, is it that they, they aren't living up to that, like blueprints are they not playing the right way do they not have an identity like what what's the the crux of the issue here and i i think as i've marinated on this a little bit more like green bay both matt lafleur and, and joe barry have very distinct identities in my opinion i'll start with joe barry this is a very common identity this is the cover uh, you know two safety deep mentality that came from Vic Fangio system that came from the Rams system where Joe Barry came from Brandon Staley, et cetera, where they want to keep two safeties high. They want to keep a shell over the, in an umbrella over the offense, no big explosive plays. They want to keep everything in front of them, play sound red zone defense. And they think that they have the ability to win up front more often than not cause some turnovers that way, play sound and coverage and hold in the red zone. And they think, you know, ultimately if we do that, we can limit you to somewhere around 20 points, maybe less on a good day. Maybe we can get some turnovers as well. And we're going to play the numbers throughout the course of a season that that is going to give us the best opportunity for success. And then offensively, Matt LaFleur is very much a, he wants to try to exploit whatever the defense is giving him. So if it's an eight man box, he wants to take advantage of the numbers on the outside, one safety deep. We got to get some explosives in there and find what it is that they're giving you and go attack that and take that. I think those are the, the two, if we've learned anything from Joe Barry and Matt LaFleur through the course of their time in Green Bay, to me, those are the biggest thing we learned. We, Matt LaFleur loves taking mismatches, finding them and trying to exploit them and whatever the defense is giving them, trying to take that and exploit it. Joe Barry wants to play that sort of bend, but don't break defense. Make sure you're playing sound red zone defense, not giving up explosive plays. And that is what they have decided up until this point is their formula for success. And overall, as an overarching base philosophy, I don't hate either of those things. I understand both of those things, but I think what's been a failure, specifically go back defensively against Bailey Zappi a week ago, who actually played pretty well and won a nice game against Detroit, by the way, but going against Bailey Zappi a week ago and Brian Hoyer and the Patriots and now Daniel Jones and the Giants this week is that every game is a little bit different and you can't just have that as your philosophy and not alter it at any given moment when you need to. 
And when you have a team like the Giants, where it's Daniel Jones on a bum leg, like a hurt leg that he's not as mobile as he usually is, Saquon Barkley, who also goes out for a portion of the game, no wide receivers of note on the outside that should scare you at least, no tight end that should scare you, an offensive line that's fine, but mostly meh. This is an opportunity for you to say, you know what? We can be better than bend, but don't break. We can actually dictate and force teams to do what we want them to do and get some sacks and takeaways and help out our offense in the process. That's what we can do in this game. And offensively, you also have the ability to say, you know what? It's an eight-man box, but Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are running extremely well, and I think I would like to keep getting them the football. Because guess what? Was there ever a moment where, like, (laughs) as a Packer fan, you're like, okay, we've got an eight-man box out there. Don't have to worry about Saquon Barkley anymore. Like, things are good. We've got an eight-man box. Saquon Barkley, well, we don't even have to worry about him anymore. It's not a concern. We've got an eight-man box. They can't run now. Like, of course not. Adrian Peterson has run through our eight-man boxes for years on defense. <laughs> Saquon Barkley had the, like probably his 40-yard gain against an eight-man box in this game. You can get explosives. And by the way, if you get out of said eight-man box, a lot of times oh, that field. plays come in the running game. So I didn't mean to go on a rant that long. I wanted you to be able to continue, but I couldn't get off of that a little bit. So I could not agree more. Like I tweeted this out earlier and I just said like, so they have an eight man box. So what your running backs are getting five yards per carry, at least try at least call some run plays and test the box. Because if you're still getting good yardage, which with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, you probably will be, then you're back in control and you can do what you need to. I mean, I think like there are just a lot of also self-inflicted wounds and sure the Packers didn't turn the ball over this game, but there were some off throws by Rodgers. There were some catches that should have been, there were some really bad penalties. Like there were definitely moments that need to be cleaned up, but you can't go a whole half with scoring zero points. I'm sorry. You just cannot because that's also unfair to your defense to ask them to do that. Um, On the defensive side, I just, there are just moments where I just don't really understand what they're doing because I thought they actually contained Saquon really well um, for the most part. Like he had the big chunk gain. Fine. He's going to do that to you once in a while, but I thought they contained him pretty nicely. You know that Daniel Jones is going to use his legs. Don't give him running lanes. And you know that the boot action is the only way he can pass the ball. He has one receiver in Darius Slayton and you're playing like 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. Like you said it so perfectly, like this defense doesn't dictate and they have three corners and one safety because I'll include Adrian Amos in this who can like play really good press coverage. Like they can go up against your guys and you're have, you have Jair like chilling out with some practice squad nobody catching balls in front of him like I just I don't get it you have the talent to be super aggressive and you saw it last season with Rasul and Stokes be able to make plays on the ball and stop the pass game and you haven't seen any of that did any of these DBs today have a pass breakup a single pass breakup no they let them catch everything I just I don't I don't get it. I just don't understand why these are not, they were just playing down to their competition again. And um, I don't, I just, you have to start calling things for, for the strength of your players and not play down to your like practice, these like practice squad, right? Wide receivers. I totally agree. I mentioned this right after the, the game and my gut reactions as well, right? It's like defenders, their mentality is they want to attack. And if you play a, like, cause let's just be honest, like I get the philosophy and I understand what they want to do, but if you're playing a more passive brand of football, rushing four on defense, playing seven in coverage, 
like it's not getting anyone's juices flowing. Like you're just like, it's because the other team is getting the, like, they're just paper cutting you and it's just kind of annoying. And it's not a fun brand of football. Like the bat, look at Wink Martindale in this game. He's bringing blitzes. He's like, he's like, they're having fun out there. That's a defense. Or batting like, line, like passes at the line. Like, yes. That's a defense that was flowing to the football, attacking and having that mentality. You do the same thing for the most part over and over and over and over. And your job is to just let them complete passes and go and tackle. Like your guys just aren't going to have a bunch of energy and juice playing that style of football. You have to, at some point go and attack. And the other thing too here is, at some point, like even if you've got – you're obviously a huge baseball fan, Perry. Even if you have the best changeup in the world or the best fastball in the world or the best curveball in the world, whatever it is, you may be the best at it. You can't just throw it over and over and over and over. You have to have something that counters it. I, I posted this on Twitter. There's a, a play where the Packers have double A-gap blitz look. They've got four guys at the line, two linebackers on the inside. They're going double A-gap blitz. The Giants on the play call the QB draw. Because if you they go know. UB draw into a double A gap blitz, you are screwed. They knew, they 100% knew that they're, they're not blitzing on this play. They don't blitz. They're not blitzing on this play. Daniel Jones, their linebackers are going to bail out. And then those defenders are already outside because you've, you're, you've got two linebackers in that gap that are going to bail out. We're going to pretend to pass. Those guys are going outside. We're going to run right up the middle and we're going to pick up a first down. They did it three times. I think two of them worked. I don't think one of them worked that well, but uh, because I think Rashawn made a play, but um, overall, like they knew that you're not like, you have to throw them uh, like something different every once in a while to not get teams uh, like recognizing what you're doing. The same thing happened on the opposite side where the giants packed the box, eight man box. Green Bay was in a wide look. And what did they do? They do. They count the numbers. They knew exactly what they wanted to do. They wanted to get the little wide receiver screen out to Romeo Dobbs. They snapped the ball. You know what they did? They immediately shot to the outside. Like things are becoming predictable for the Packers on both offense and defense. And we could, if we wanted to handicap things and be like, really, we could say like, well, it's a short week and you travel to London and they didn't have the same time to game plan and screw that. Like you got to be better. And if anything, like, you know your players are going to be a little bit, you know, more worn down coming off of like having to fly over and everything like that. This is a heavy lifting game for the coaches. The coaches are the ones that have to bring a little bit more energy, a little bit more juice, do something different. And they just didn't. It was it was so just disappointing all the way around. I was going to bring up the predictability as well, so I'm glad you did. <clears throat> it just like if I don't know. I just, there's no disguising anything. I I feel a little bit better about the offense. Like I think Matt and Rogers can get together and improve this offense because you see the flashes and like you hope that some of the dropped passes are not going to happen anymore. Like, you know, that Matt has a bag of, of tricks up his sleeve and you hope that this, like they, they kind of work out these kinks. And I also kind of feel like I knew this offense might look like this. I didn't think it'd be this bad for like whole stretches, whole halves. But like with defense, you have to disguise. Like you cannot just trot out the same exact defense. These guys are scouting you every week. They're going to watch the tape. The Jets are going to watch this tape next week. And like you said, if they go out there, they're not going to respect the blitz because they don't send it ever. So again, like I don't, I just again, I think that Barry has all these like incredible pieces. They've obviously invested almost all of their capital into the defense. Like everybody out there is a first round pick. Everybody out there is a freak athlete. Like you just drafted even a guy in Quay Walker. Like every single week I've tweeted, I'd love to see Joe Barry blitz to Quay Walker. Like he can do it. He has the skill set. Like the def- the DPs are able to do some really nice things. Like they're doing, they're able to sniff out things behind the line of scrimmage a lot. They tackled a lot better today. It's just like, there's no respect to what the Packers are trying to do on defense. And you can't honestly put everything on the pass rush. You can't put everything on Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark, because you're not going to get the same like opportunities to them every single time they're going to be able to like they put a tight end out there to like chip Rashawn Gary every time because they know that's what you need to do and then he can't get home and then the DBs are playing soft and you just get marched down the field on 
I'm very I'm so, annoyed. <laughs> I'm so bored watching this Packers defense, and I should yeah. be exhilarated. Like it's there's no there, there's nothing like that you're looking like like oh the corner's creeping up. I wonder if he's gonna blitz or I wonder if he's not gonna blitz. Like oh there's they got two double A gaps. Like I wonder like I'm sure those two guys are gonna come and like maybe Rashawn will drop off or Preston will drop off. And I'm sure there's something like every once in a while that that Joe is throwing out there whatever. But like it's not enough, and it's not enough to I think confuse opposing court. You know who looked really comfortable in this game for like, I don't know, the first time in his career? Daniel Jones. Like, and kudos to Daniel Jones. He had a nice game. But like, if you have Daniel Jones with a bum foot and you would come after him and you press his wide receivers that aren't very good, um, uh, I mean, we, we've been over yeah. it. We, everyone knows it. We're not, we're not going over it. We're not, you know, splitting the atom here. Like, it's, it, it is what it is. And they just have to bring a different intensity, a different level of football. And look, I know there's a lot of discussion in all of the Packers fear of like fire this person or like this person's to blame or offense. Like it's, it was all like, there was nothing, there was, there was nothing that you can point to in this game and be like, yeah, that's, that went great. Like the running backs ran well when they had the opportunity. Um, I don't know, like the front defensive front at times looked okay. Mason Crosby made his field goal and his extra points. Like, but there's nothing that you can look to in this game and be like, that's where we need it to be. That, that can be a, you know, championship le- you know, level offense, defense, special teams, et cetera. It just wasn't there. Um, but I will ask you this, and maybe there's not an answer, but if you had to put your eggs in one basket for who you want to blame for this game, where would you lean? I think these kind of like holistic failures just like end up falling on the head coach and I don't know if, like, I really truly blame Matt, to be honest, because it's, like you said, there were a lot of things about this. And, like, the first half offense looked good. I was, like, feeling great about this team after the first half. I was like, they're clicking. Things are working. Pass game is going. Things are in rhythm. Whatever. I think it's just preparation I think what I'm most worried about, honestly, is like the locker room mentality. And I don't normally like get too in this because I'm not in the locker room and I have no idea what they say to each other in private. But at the same time, like Maggie and I have talked about this a lot on PAX, which she said, and like there isn't like a real like vocal leader on this team. And I think like Matt isn't that guy and that's okay. But like Hackett was. Like, Hackett was that loud, like, rah-rah, get everybody fired up kind of guy. Like, the happy, like, like let's get our heads back. Like, they're missing that. I'm not saying they're missing Nathaniel Hackett. I just mean they're missing that, what he brought to the table. Yeah. And I think, like, Matt just needs to find a way to, like, get his guys' heads in the games when shit like this happens. Sorry, I just cursed. Um yeah. And I don't know if he is that guy. And I think he's a phenomenal head coach, and he obviously has – tremendous success and I'm not calling for them to fire him I think he can turn this team around it's just they're missing this like umph, and you kind of hope it would maybe come from the quarterback but I don't think Rodgers is really like that either and he never has been so I just I just someone's got to do it and it's got to be a vet or it's got to be a coach and no one's really doing it and I don't like where some of the conversations are like post these losses they get really really down on themselves like this is a very very good football team I think Matt just has to find a way to get these guys like mentally prepped better. Yeah. I, I, I struggle with it. I, I don't, it does feel like it's a little bit of everything. I do think they do a horrible job of responding to adversity. Like, and there's certain things they do an extremely good job of responding to adversity because they haven't lost back-to-back games in the regular yeah. season um, in Matt LaFleur's career, which is like insane. Like they bounce back and they are resilient in that regards, but like in game, bouncing back from adversity is totally different. And that has been a, a real struggle because, you know, giants go down and, and we know exactly what happens. The giants go down and tie the game after a long drive. And then you get the three and out from the offense and the defense doesn't pick it up. And they, the giants go down and score a touchdown. And now all of a sudden the Packers offense has the ball six minutes left and you're down by seven with one drive to go. And they go on a long, you know, plotting drive down the field. Feels like they're going to have an opportunity to score. They don't. And the game's basically over. And I talked a lot right after the game too, about like, this is a team that needs, that needs very much needs to play complementary football for each other. Like it can't be the offense doing their thing, the defense doing their thing, the special teams doing their thing. These three 
in this season have to play as a collective team. And like Rogers taking a sack on the third down, which gets them out of field goal range is, and that wasn't on him. Like it's not on him. Like that was like a 0.1 second rush. Like I'm not saying that's all on Rogers, but like, that can't happen. You like there, there can't be a sack there. That's on the old line. That's on, you know, Rogers, that's on the play call, et cetera. But like, that's an opportunity to maybe run a draw there or something, pick up five yards, run a little bit more clock, kick a field goal, whatever you want to do. Um, that's I think how this team needs to play. And this game was the most uncomplimentary you could possibly be in a game where the offense sets the defense up for complete failure by not, you know, getting, you know, drives going when the, the defense had to get a rest, just had to get a rest and it's three and out. The offense is completely disjointed in the second half. And I think had three drives in the second half, not including like the Hail Mary at the end. I think they had three drives in the second half, somewhere around there. Um, that And that in large part is due because the defense is allowing 80 yard, 15 play 80 yard drives like over and over. And offense is just sitting there and, you know, uh, at, 9 30 10 30 in the morning normally for what their body is used to like just chilling on the sidelines nothing to do they're not complimenting it the defense isn't getting turnovers the special teams isn't getting explosives like they just have to cut they have to complement each other better and they did the worst job imaginable and if they do that these are going to be games that are annoying as heck over and over and you have the opportunity to lose to teams that you should beat and that's what happened I'm not sure about you guys, but it still catches me off guard when I walk down the water aisle at the grocery store and see these new tall boys that look like beer chilling out in the middle of the bottled water section. Of course, it's not actually beer. It's Liquid Death, a new mountain spring water from the Alps that's available in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors. But why is it called Liquid Death, you may ask? Well, it's because Liquid Death donates 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Even better is that the use of their aluminum Tallboy cans is also helpful as aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Friends, bottled water has always been boring to me, but there's absolutely nothing boring about Liquid Death. I love the crisp, refreshing pop of the can when I open it, and the water simply tastes better in a can than it does out of a bottle. Add in their three unique flavors, Personally, I love the lime, and the overall experience is infinitely better than any other water product. Plus, it just looks so much cooler holding a tall boy labeled Liquid Death that looks like you're holding a crisp, refreshing beer. So do me a favor and go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. 
and Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. And we should talk about too, like, I don't even know how much I want to go into this, but like, it shouldn't be understated just how banged up the Giants were, not only going into this game, but through this game, Barkley goes out for a while. Adoree Jackson goes out. Like Leonard Williams doesn't get to play in this game. They're missing like five wide receivers. Daniel Jones isn't at hundred percent. And like, listen, like sometimes like these things are obviously going to happen, but like the Packers going into this game, they're missing what? Sammy Watkins, Devontae Wyatt, Chris Barnes. Like they're they at full they strength. Christian Watson for a little bit. Like they're at full strength. They're basically they're like that's as full full week five in the NFL season. That is as full strength as you get. And they're going against a team who is obliterated with injuries right now. And they they can't hang. They they don't hang like they should. Like that that should have been a much more decisive performance. Much less, um, not a loss to say the least. I, I want to talk about just offense and defense just really quick in a little bit more detail. We obviously kind of covered it from a high-end standpoint. I'm going to go through a few things here, and I'll just let you hit what you want to hit. Um, I thought Rob Domovsky had a great statistic. The Packers have now scored seven points or fewer in the second half in four of their five games so far. Like, that is abysmal, to say the least. Um I didn't think Aaron Rodgers played a specifically great game in this one, to say the least. I thought he had a couple of missed throws uh, early and just didn't seem to ever quite get into a rhythm. Um, I got to have more Aaron Jones. Like there's just no two ways about it. And we talked about that earlier, but like, I don't care if it's running the football. It doesn't have to be against an eight man box, but there are other ways to get Aaron Jones involved. And I need more Aaron Jones. If you are going to target Devonte Adams 20 plus times when you have a full arsenal of weapons of Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Robert Tunyon, et cetera. And you're going to go to him 20 times per game. I need 20 times per game of Aaron Jones at minimum when you don't have a Devonte Adams and you don't have, you know, a, a full complement of weapons. I just, I have to have more Aaron Jones. Um, I went back and I looked at how green Bay has scored their touchdown drives this season. Um, this isn't probably great for podcasting, but four runs, three passes on the first one, five runs, four passes, five runs, five passes, three runs, four passes, five runs, five passes, four runs, eight passes. That was the first one that was like actually pass oriented. Six runs, zero passes, six runs, five passes, four runs, five passes, two runs, four passes, five runs, eight passes. These are long drives where the running backs are heavily involved. And by the way, those passes that I mentioned, a lot of those are getting AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones involved in the passing game on those touchdown drives as well. This is not your big play shot play explosive offense. And I know you need some of those to be successful. You need some of those to keep the defense honest. You've got to feed Jones and Dillon and make them the focal point of this offense, or it's just going to fail. It's just so obvious what works in this offense right now. And it pisses me off when they get away from it, because like you said, a balanced offense that leans on the run game, that leans on your running backs. None of Rodgers' throws are too deep. He had a few, like, I, I would love to see how many completions he's had over 20 yards so far this season because it's very few. He does screen games working, the short slants in right breakers, the quick passing game works. You control the time of possession. You take, like, 10, 12 plays a drive and you get a touchdown that's what's working for them right now I want to shoot the shot play into the sun like I just want it gone there you're not hitting on it like you are just not hitting on it it's not working and I I get what you mean by you need it but like the Packers have been able to find explosive plays in other ways they've been really explosive over the middle of the field this season go with that right maybe it's not always there but like if find what's working and at least try that these like i know rogers loves his one-on-ones and i know he loves his matchups and you have to kind of expect the wide receivers to win those one-on-ones every once in a while but like let's face it you're not throwing to Devonte adams anymore yeah. you're not going to get like an 85 percent completion rate out of a Devonte adams type in those one-on-ones anymore you have to set these guys up to succeed and like you're not getting that success on these like 
shot plays down the boundary. It's just not working. Like stop doing it and stop doing it in such high leverage spots. Like you said, defense just gave up a really long drive. They're gassed. And you have three pass plays, three now. Like that is just the last thing you want. Run the ball a little bit. Uh, It just, it's driving me nuts because I don't want to, I should feel as a fan, like I'm constantly like learning something from my team, right? Like I love football and I love how much there is to like learn about this game. I shouldn't feel like I'm sitting on my couch. Like I, not that I know more than this team, but I shouldn't feel like this right now where I could like go up to this team and say, it's so clear what's working and you're not doing it. Why? Right? Like I should be like, oh, that was smart that you just did that. Let me go back and look and learn why. Right. It should be the other way around right now. And it's not. Um, I'm not yet worried. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers is having like not his best start to the season. He's not. I'm not yet worried about it, but I've never seen him play like this for like significant stretches of a game, like whole halves. Yeah. There is like it's in the back of my mind right now. Yeah. Uh, I think that's fair. And like, I don't know if anyone else said that like chance to watch, like, listen, there's some really bad football being played around the league right now, but like go and watch the bills offense and Josh Allen, you like, and go obviously and watch a a Patrick Mahomes and some of these, these guys that are playing at the top of their game. Um, That, that reminds me of 2010, 2011, Aaron Rodgers. And like, listen, I get, he's played at a high level these past couple seasons deserving of MVPs. um, But that's, there's a different Aaron Rodgers right now than what we saw earlier in his career, obviously. Um, and it's, we just haven't seen even the, the last couple of years level of Aaron Rodgers. This is more 2019, 20, like 2017, 2018, last couple of years of McCarthy and even some early Matt LaFleur uh, era Aaron Rodgers. And it just has, it, it's been disjointed. It hasn't looked good. And it's like you said, I'm not, I'm not concerned. I think he's going to have a, a fine season. I think he's going to be, you know, a really good quarterback this year, but he, he and Matt need to do the heavy lifting on offense. And if they don't like it's, this offense is going to struggle. Like they don't have anyone else to like, I know like obviously Jones is a, an easy answer. Dylan is a, a piece of that as well, but like you, you can't base the offense totally, uh, you know, along that you're going to have to make plays in the passing game and that's going to be on Matt and Aaron. And it just has to be. Meanwhile, on the defensive side of the ball, I think, you know, I had a lot of people reach out to me because I know myself, Ben Fennell, a couple other people these past couple weeks, uh, specifically against the Patriots last week, were like, all right, pump the brakes and like the defense should be okay. I know they gave up some plays to the Bailey Zappi led Patriots and um, Tom Brady without wide receivers. And then obviously on the flip side, I'm much more aggressive this week of like, all right, this defense played like crap. And people are saying like, what, why are you different this week? They, they didn't play well last week. And they, it is a totally different game. Like last week, say what you will, the Packers allowed three drives all game last game. They got turnovers. They got sacks. They did a lot of different things to actually help that team win the game. They kept the, the offense on the field, uh, meaning the Packers offense on the field. They got, you know, like a bunch of three and outs, They actually did a lot of really good things in that game. This game, you can't point to almost anything. They got the two three and outs to start the game. And then it was field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. And all of those were like the, there's 86 yard drive, 91 yard drive, 60 yard drive, 56 yard drive, 45 yard drive. Like these were not, these were long, frustrating, ugly defensive drives. So like, and no turnovers, the sacks got negated by penalties, poor tackling. Like this, this was nothing like the performance, in my opinion, from a week ago. Were there signs? I think that's where I was at with like Tampa and New England is like there were signs of both, right? If you wanted to look for the signs of like, here's what could go wrong if they don't fix it, those signs were there. There were also signs of like, man, if they can just clean up these one or two things, holy crap, like this has the ability to be really, really good. And I thought very much, and I'll take the blame on this. I thought we were trending towards, this is like one or two things away from being really good. And today we got the one or two things away from being really bad. We got those things, the poor tackling, the no turnovers, the no sacks, the all of it. And it looked awful. And I did not expect it. I'll be, I'll be totally transparent, but these are two very different performances for that reason. Um, I can't believe that they can't stop a crossing route after five weeks. Um, that, I, I don't know. Um, I, we talked about it. There's way too much talent. The other thing that is super egregious to me in this game is that a lot of times when the defense doesn't play well, 
it's because the offense doesn't do them any favors and the, the defense is playing from behind and the opposing team can run or pass and they've got everything at their disposal. The Packers played this game with the lead, the vast, like up until, you know, uh, late in the, later in the game, I think fourth quarter, and they had every reason to be able to be a bit more aggressive, do what they wanted to, and they just didn't. And then the last thing I'll say, um, and I'll let you take over on the defensive side of things, is that TJ Slayton after the game, this is per Ryan Wood, said, the biggest surprise today was how often the Giants called bootlegs with Daniel Jones. If that's true, I did it on my scouting report two days ago. Like, extreme. Like, I could not believe against the Bears. I had never seen a team, never, that just went either run or play action bootleg off the run over and 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 over again, every play. So if a defensive player that is in very much in the rotation did not know that that was a legitimate opportunity or something that was going to happen over and over and over and over, that is complete and utter malpractice. And I don't even know what I want to say about that because I am infuriated that either a they weren't like prepared or like the players are not responding to what the coaches are telling them to and not main, like retaining the information. Something is amiss because that cannot happen because it was the easiest. And I mean, like when I put on the, the offensive tape for the giants, it screams off the page. So are the players it's the only the thing he can throw out of? Yes. It's literally the only way he can throw the ball. He either runs or he has to roll out. <laughs> And here's the thing, like, and I even said this as well, like the bears figured it out in the second half, the the bears, like they, the first half was brutal. Like Daniel Jones just kept coming around on like naked bootlegs and running the ball and having clear paths and clear, like throwing lanes. And the bears figured it out in the second half, they made the adjustments. And I was like, thank you, Chicago, because like you gave us like the, the blueprint to like stop exactly what they were doing. Yeah. Nah, we're not going to, we're not going to use that. Like it was, it is so frustrating. I don't know. Anything you else you want to say tape? about the defense? Like, are you watching tape? Yeah. Like, I'm not I, even a tape junkie. And like, I know that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to say about this defense. I want to believe they can be great so badly because I see it. I see all the potential. I see the amount of talent they have on that side of the ball. And I can see when they put it together, like they can win games off of this defense. I just... I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, I, I genuinely don't know what the missing link is anymore because I don't know how much more resources you can pour into this defense and we've seen them perform really well. So I think, I don't know. I, I also think football is a really weird game where like two or three things happen differently. And this game is a completely different game like, I think Savage's holding call was really weak, right? Like, that was just a really weak call. And I'm not – I don't like to blame things on the ref. I'm just saying, like, Sewell having a bunch of penalties, negating, like, big plays like sacks. Like, you hope that those things don't repeat themselves, but I just expect more. I just expect a lot more out of this side of the ball. Like, I just really do. They're not – Know what here's here's the other thing, though. I don't even know like, what to say about it anymore. I like they're so talented. There's so much talent. There's so much like athleticism, and you can see them flash. Like the Packers might have like a potential defensive player of the year on their front. They have Kenny freaking Clark. They have Jair Alexander, who they just paid, and Eric Stokes, who had a great rookie season, a great rookie season. And none of them are playing up to their caliber of defense. And I don't, I do not get it. I know that we're going very long, but I need to ask, what the hell is happening with Darnell Savage? Is he just a bad safety? I do not know what to make of him anymore. I mean, I think at this point he is what it is. Like, it just is. Like, he he played awful a season ago as a rookie. He was below average at at best. Um, And I think we gave him a lot more accident forgiveness because he was a rookie and we expected him just to kind of keep improving. I thought his sophomore years, rookie second year, however you want to define it, um, in the bubble, I thought he played really sound football. But, like, there's no takeaways. There's no, the, the tackling is suspect at best. Like I've heard, I, I know people have been like, they got to play Darnell Savage in the slot. He can't cover. Like, like you're not, if you think Razul is having trouble covering in the slot, Darnell's not going to be any better. Like there's just, 
Yeah, um, I think he is who he is at this point. And I just want to go back. Like you mentioned the two plays. Like, you know, there's a couple of plays here there that if they go Green Bay's way, if if Robert, if I think it was Xavier McKinney on the play, doesn't like hold on, like hug Robert Tunyon down the field for absolutely no reason on a play that was going to be probably another overshot random deep ball that had no opportunity for success. Packers, I don't know that the Packers score on that drive, much less get a touchdown. And if Daniel Jones just hits Darius Slayton in stride rather than throwing behind him and Slayton's not looking for the ball, Giants probably get a touchdown instead of a field goal on that drive. Like this is like this close to being like a really big win for the Giants. Like, and again, we could, we could go about it in a variety of different ways, like plays that could have gone the Packers way too. But like there were a few out there that if they go the other way, this, this actually could have been even more ugly than what it was. A couple quick hitters, Amari punt returner, uh, he already lost his kick returner job, um, which literally meant he had one job left and he muffs a punt. Like there's nothing left. He, I'm he's done. Very clearly Aaron Rodgers that wants nothing to do with him at wide receiver. He's probably the number set. Like we know there's five receivers ahead of him and Dobbs and Watson and Cobb and uh, Watkins and Lazard. We know there's five and I would be willing to bet you that Juwan Winfrey is ahead of him as well. If you actually had to play a wide receiver and then it's like, okay, once we get past that, is it Toure or, or Rogers? And I think if you actually needed a receiver, you, they may very well go Toure. So we're like looking at number eight, uh, seven or eight on the depth chart, at actual wide receiver for Amari Rogers. They bench him as a kick returner because he doesn't do anything there. And you can't trust him as a punt returner. I don't, like, I'm done. Yeah. I've been, I'm such on the train of like, Give it time, give it time, trust it, like whatever. I'm done. I, I just yeah. I've seen I've seen plenty. And I think I felt this way after Rogers' comment, like he's returning kicks for us. Like there is no place for him in this offense. And it's really unfortunate. And like maybe if someone got hurt and you had to play him in the slot. But I'm sorry, like when you're getting outplayed by 32-year-old Randall Cobb, like not great. You're done. And that's actually no hate to Randall Cobb. He looks great, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Um, I guess the one good piece of news coming out of this game is as far as we know, I think the only injury issue is Christian Watson, which is obviously not great. You don't want him to get hurt, but um, I was very concerned going on a kind of an artificial surface that doesn't normally get played on after traveling overseas, playing at a time you're not used to, that there could have been a, a bunch of injuries in this game. And it seems like they got out relatively healthy. We'll have to see where Christian Watson's injury is and if they maybe had any others that we just didn't know about, but Hopefully good news there. Um, and then we'll end. I just want to ask, is there anything that gives you hope coming out of this game? Or can we end on a positive in, in some capacity before we exit? Yeah, I think what I always come back to is the Packers are a really successful winning franchise. And I think you stay that way for a number of different reasons. And Rogers hit on it a little bit in his press post-game yep. presser. And like they have standards and they hold each other accountable and they hold themselves accountable. Like you could hear it. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, they say the same things after every single time. But you know what? Fine. I'm glad they take accountability. I'm glad that they can go up there and say that wasn't how we want to be. There's no excuses. Right. Yeah. They know they know that this isn't the way that they're supposed to play. So I feel like I trust in that. Like we are a winning franchise mentality. And I see it because I live in I live in New York, right? Which sucks that they lost the Giants. It's gonna be so annoying. But like I see it with the Jets, right? Where the expectation inside that franchise is so different. Like you go into seasons being like, oh, we'd be happy with six and twelve. Like that's not who the Packers are. So I don't think one loss is gonna like be any kind of derailment. I, I think that this is the kind of thing that they can come back to them and say, we are the Green Bay effing Packers and we're, we know how to win. Um, that's how I feel. But like, that's like a pretty low bar for an optimistic fan like me. I just, I don't feel great about the way this team has been executing. No, I, I agree with everything you said. And I, I think my biggest um, hope coming out of this game is like, I legitimately think they needed that. And it may, maybe it yeah. shouldn't be that way. Like it, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way that you need to go overseas and lose in front of a awesome fan base that like supported you to an unbelievable extent in a stadium. That's a new, neutral site stadium. Um, it, it shouldn't have to be that way, but they weren't learning the lessons from their, like, we're not going to apologize for a victory. Um, it, you yeah. know, games they just weren't, they, nothing was changing. So 
if you've got to get punked in a game like that, where to a team that you shouldn't lose to, um, you can't blame it on like, well, it's just the first week of the season. And that's our, that's our issue. Like we, you know, we don't really play the first week. We'll be fine moving forward. Now this is, this is different. And I do think they're going to be fine moving forward. I think they have lessons to learn. I think they'll learn them. I have a lot of faith in the overall structure of this organization, kind of as you're mentioning. Um, but I do feel like they needed this. And more importantly, they have to learn from it because if this is the same Joe Barry style defense over and over and over, if this is the same, not feeding Aaron Jones, if this is the same, you know, taking shot plays for absolutely no reason when you don't need it, if this is the same, you know, Mario Rogers returning punts, you know, over like you've just got to learn from those mistakes and it cannot be the one week we learned our lesson this week. And then we immediately regress back to what we've done that failed in the past after that, because it feels like after this, like after week one, when they didn't get Aaron Jones, the ball, it was like, Oh, we're going to get Aaron Jones, the ball a bunch. And guess what? It works. And then it is like, uh, you don't really get him the ball. And then like, you're like, Oh, we got to get Aaron Jones, the ball and it works. And then it falls apart again. So like there just has to be a much better consistency throughout games, throughout the season. And it's never, the highs are never as high as we think. The lows are never as low with, as we think. There's a lot of season left. I'm glad that they're learning these lessons now, but they have to learn them. And if they don't, it's going to be a long season. Yep. I said the same thing actually after this game. I said, I'm honestly, I'm almost glad they lost this and didn't come back to win it because good. You sit on that plane for eight hours and you think yeah. about it. Right. You think about this and you remember this feeling and then you go forward and you make the necessary adjustments so that this does not happen again. Couldn't agree more. Perry, uh, tell us where we can follow you on Twitter. Tell us what packs, what she said is all about and anything else you want to tell me. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Follow the podcast at PWSS podcast. Um, we are rolling twice a week these days. So you'll get a recap show Monday night from us that are actually usually live. If you want to come in and vent and chat with us and then a preview um, before the Jets. I will actually be up for the Jets game if anyone wants to come and say hello. That'll be fun. I'll be there with my family. Um, but yeah, just follow us on Twitter and Instagram and uh, yeah, don't be afraid to say hi. Make sure to follow Perry. She's the absolute best. And of course, Big Packs, what she said, to listen every single week. You can follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. And of course we'll have podcasts 365 days a year on the audio version, but until next time, and as always go pack, go. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.